Okay. Alright. I was debating what I wanted to preach. It's not that hard when we have two sermons. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I have more. My kids always ask me that when they're with me, like, what sermon are you going to preach? And I have one they didn't care for. They said I was a little weird for preaching it, so they, they told me to retire that one, so I had to retire that one. That's okay. We're going to go to Second Kings chapter 22 in one hand, and Second Chronicles chapter 24 in the other. I'm looking for a bookmark. We're going to be flipping a lot back and forth. I left my, left my thing over there, my bulletin, so I can't have my bookmark. Second Chronicles 24 and Second Kings 22. Let's first of all start off with a word of prayer. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day you've given us. Lord, I do thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you for the people here. Lord, people come to church on a Wednesday night just to, not just to check off a checklist, but because they love you. Lord, I ask you to just speak through me. I ask you to just get me out of the way. If it is your will in your name, amen. Brother, did you leave your ring here? Someone left a ring up here. No? What? It's a lost ring. Ooh, okay. My wife tells me I have ADD, so I might get distracted occasionally here. That's okay. <laughs> but you leave a ring up here, I'm going to look at it. So, <laughs> it's because I lost my wedding ring. I took it off in Costa Rica, so I wouldn't lose it, and I lost it. I was without a ring for two years, so I got myself basically a washer. So, a rubber washer, so I'm good. So, like, ooh, that might fit me. I'm not sure. <laughs> it actually does fit me. Okay, Second Kings 22. I know you've had a lot of missionaries in. I know you've had just your missions conference. I met the force, forces, forces. How do you say plural force? Forces is forces. I met them last week. Really nice people. I really like them. So, so we're going to go a little bit different direction. We're not going to preach a missionary message because I know you guys have had a lot of missions in lately. I want to preach something else tonight. I'm going to preach about two different kings. I'm going to preach about the tale of two kings. Does anyone know that reference? Anyone know? I was, I was homeschooled. I grew up without a TV, so I was very deprived. So I had to read and use my brain and my imagination growing up. Tale of Two Kings. Does anyone get that reference? Okay, please, someone tell me. What? Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens. All right. So I want to talk about the two kings tonight. I want to talk about Josiah and Joash. Josiah and Joash. Now, these are two men here that have very similar backgrounds. They had very similar Life arts, as you would say, but they ended up very differently. We're going to read Second uh, Kings twenty-two, verse one. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned thirty and one years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedidiah, the daughter of Adaiah of Bosketh. Now we're going to go to Second Chronicles chapter twenty-four, verse one. Second Chronicles chapter twenty-four, verse one. We're going to look at these two men here. And we're going to kind of study their lives and see their similarities and what made them different. Second Chronicles 24, verse 1 says, Joash was seven years old when he began to reign. And he reigned forty years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Zebiah of Beersheba. So if you look at these two young men, they both, they both started out very young uh, as kings. One was eight years old, one was seven years old. And if you look at their life, they had a lot of similarities. They both had a very traumatic childhood. Uh, Joash, his father, was killed by his grandmother. She killed all the she killed all the uh, royal seed there, wanting to be king or wanting to be queen there. And if you look at Josiah, his father was killed uh, in in battle. So they both were very young men when they came to the kingdom. They came to reign there. Can you imagine having a seven or eight year old be in charge of your country? That's kind of rough, wouldn't it? My eight-year-old, his day revolves around his three o'clock snack. That is all he thinks about. He wakes up and he thinks about his three o'clock snack. 
one, well, a, few, a few months ago, we, uh, we finished lunch. We had a late lunch about 1 o'clock. And he looked at the clock and goes, yes, two more hours. I said, what? He said, to what? He said, till 3 o'clock snack. I'm like, we just ate, dude. What's your issue? 3 o'clock snack. That's all he cares about. <laughs> Can you imagine having something like that in charge of your country? That would be, that'd be, a, that'd be a little uh, traumatic there. That would be a little bit issue, some issues. But if you look at them, they both, both of these young men, they both started out as king very young. They both had very traumatic childhoods. Uh, they both had two very good mentors. If you look at it, if you look at Josiah, his, uh, his mentor was a man named Hilkiah, the high priest. In 2 Kings 22, chapter, uh, chapter 22, verse 8, it says, And Hilkiah, the high priest, sent his shape from the scribes. Now, if you look at uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 24, we're going to flip back and forth a lot. Um, we see a man named Jehoiada that was Joash's, that was Joash's mentor that taught him and raised him up and showed him how to live. Uh, both men led a country into a national revival. We see Joash, he kind of, he, kind of um, he repaired the temple. He wanted to serve the Lord. You look at Josiah, his whole, the whole country had a national revival uh, under, under him. His both men, they both, they both did a lot. They were both two good men. Two very good men. But I don't look at their difference. There was what, how they ended up their life. They both started off like this. They were going good. They were going good. And, also, and one finished his race very good, Josiah. And one just kind of went way off the rails. One went crazy. And I want to look at the difference here, why, why the one man did that. If you look at 2 Kings 23, verse 29. 2 Kings 23, 29. We're going to look at the, their deaths here. 2 Kings 23, 29. Actually, no, I wrote the wrong verse. Did I not? Actually, 2 Kings 23, 29 says, Oh, and in his days, Pharaoh king of Egypt, went up against the king of Assyria, to the river Euphrates, and King Josiah went against him, and he slew him at Megiddo when he had seen him. They both, that's what it was. Both men died of a young age. Neither one really made, neither one made to the age of 50. They both died at a very young age. But look at the end of, here's what I was looking for. Second Chronicles 35. Second Chronicles 35, 25. We'll look at how they were both looked at at their deaths. Second Chronicles 35, 25, and 26. Am I talking too fast? I always have a horrible habit of talking way too fast. I'm not nervous. I'm just good. I got one thumbs up. That's all. At least you can understand me. Okay? I got one person. That's all that matters. I started preaching the older. My dad's a pastor. And he asked me once, said, first time I preached, he said, you want to preach? Because he was out of town visiting my sister in Australia. I said, sure, I'd love to. And I was married at this point. First time I ever preached. Sunday school started at 8.15. I read the entire book of Jonah and preached. And I was done by 8.30. <laughs> I, my wife said I never looked up once I just went like <laughs> I got done at 8.30 I'm like ooh who wants to do Bible drills for another half hour <laughs> who wants to go play in the gym but it was an adult class but I couldn't do that so but I'm, the one guy says I'm not talking too fast okay when I go down south they cannot understand me one bit they can't it's rough one guy came up to me after I preached once he said that might have been good but I don't understand the word you said. <laughs> I said it was good. I told him it was good. Second Chronicles 35.25 says, and this is when Josiah died, and, all, and Jeremiah lamented for Josiah, and all the singing men and the singing women spake of Josiah and their lamentations to this day, and made them an ordinance in Israel. And behold, they are written in the lamentations. Now we're going to flip back to Second Chronicles 24. Second Chronicles 24.24. We're going to look at Joash when he, when he died. 2 Chronicles 24, 24 says, 
for the army of the Syrian, or 24-25, excuse me, and when they were departed from him, so they left him in great diseases, his own servants conspired against him for the blood of the sons of Jehoiada the priest, and slew him on his bed, and he died, and they buried him in the city of David, but they buried him not in the sepulchres of the kings. And so, uh, you see, one man who died, his people loved him, they, wanted, they, they, were, they cried for him, they lamented for him, and one man was so hated that they said, we don't, we're not even going to bury this dude in the, with the other kings. We're just going to put him somewhere else. Now, I want to look at the difference. What's the difference? Why did one man end up good and the other man ended up bad? Uh, so first of all, we'll look at the similarities of these two men. We're going to stay in Second Chronicles 24 here. Both of these men wanted to serve the Lord. Both of these men wanted to serve the Lord. And I'm assuming if you're here on a Wednesday night, you want to serve the Lord, right? Unless you're one of the kids and your parents made you come. Did your parents make you come? Or did you come by yourself? Were you happy to come? Okay, good. Good. Growing up, my dad was a preacher at two different churches. I went to church five times every Sunday. There's a few times I got drugged to church, unwillingly, okay? It's okay. But at least you're here. At least you're here. Second Chronicles 24, verse 4 and 5 it says, we're looking at Joash here, both men wanted to serve the Lord, and it came to pass after this that Joash was minded to repair the house of the Lord. And he gathered together the priests and the Levites and said to them, Go out into the cities of Judah and gather of all Israel money to repair the house of your God from year to year. And see that ye hasten the matter. Howbeit the Levites hastened it not. We're going to go to 2 Kings 22, verse 10. 2 Kings 22, verse 10. I don't, I'm not preaching against Joash here. I think, for the most part, he was a good man. I think he was a good king, but he made a mistake in the, in the, at the end of his life. But for now, we're going to look at the good parts, because I do think he was a good man. 2 Kings 22, verse 10. This is talking about Josiah now. And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass, when the king had heard the words of the book of the law, that he rent his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the, the priest and Ahiakim and all those other guys, jump down to verse 13, Go ye inquire of the Lord for me, and for the people and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that is found. So they, both these men, they wanted to serve the Lord. Now if you're going to do something for the Lord, you have to have a heart that wants to serve the Lord. Now you can only, you can only serve the Lord outwardly for a little while. But once your heart is right, you can really get a lot of things done. You can do a lot of things. The key here is we see that they both wanted to do right. They both had a mind to serve the Lord. Joash had a mind to repair the temple. Josiah wanted to do that was right. But I want to look at. I want you to notice something here for both of them. It cost them something to serve the Lord. It costs you something to serve the Lord. It doesn't not. I'm not complaining and I'm not bragging. It cost. It has cost me a lot to serve to go to the mission field and serve the Lord. My kids see their grandparents once every however many years. They, don't, they, don't, they see cousins once every three, four years. They see aunts and uncles once every three and four years. We've left, we've left America. We've, it costs a lot to serve the Lord. It really does. And I'm not just talking about missionaries, but it's going to cost you some things too. Maybe if you got saved later in life, it'll cost you some friendships. Maybe, uh, it'll, it, maybe you can work overtime, but you, take, you say no because you want to go to church on Wednesday night or you want to go to church on Sunday, Sunday night. It costs something to serve the Lord. I mean, if it didn't cost anything to serve the Lord... The whole world would do it, wouldn't it? But did it cost Jesus Christ something to come down here for us? I think so. And if he can leave his perfect home in heaven and do whatever he did, everything he left for us, and he, it cost him his life for us. And we want to complain to the Lord, it cost me a friend, or it cost me a little bit of time with family, or it cost me, some, cost me a hobby, or whatever it is. It's going to cost you to serve the Lord. But it's well, it's well worth the cost. It's well worth it. What did Paul say? He's forgetting those things that are behind, he's pressing forward to the mark. 
And it'll be like this song says, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus Christ. I know I, I, I ran my own business for 16 years. I appreciate the Wednesday night crowd. I understand what it is to work all day and then rush and shove your food in your face and take a quick shower and come to church. I appreciate that. But it costs you, doesn't it? You're tired, and I'm sure some of you are going to fall asleep here in the next five to ten minutes. And I, I understand you guys are tired, but I appreciate that. Because I lived that life. And I, sometimes I come to church, and I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be home. But you know what? I went to church anyway, because it was what I needed to do, because it was right. So I do appreciate you people that come Wednesday nights as well. But it cost you something, maybe a little bit of rest. But you're here, and I appreciate that. Second uh, Kings 23. So first of all, both men wanted to serve the Lord. Uh, both men got rid of the wrong in their kingdoms. Look at Second Kings 23. We'll stay here. Verse 4 says, And the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest, and the priests of the second order, and the keepers of the door, to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal, and for the grove, and for all the hosts of heaven. And he burned them without Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron, and carried the ashes of them into Bethel. And if you look at 5, 6, 7, 8, and then all the way down to verse 14, he just getting rid of junk out of his life. He's like, okay, this got to go, this has to go, this has to go, and he's just throwing things out. And he wasn't really worried about being PC. He wasn't worried about offending the world. I'm not saying being a jerk, okay? But he wasn't really worried about putting the world before the Bible. He wasn't worried about putting what the world said is right before what Jesus Christ said is right. He said, I'm just going to get rid of this and get rid of this. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. The temple was nasty, if you look at it. Now we're going to flip over to Second Chronicles 24, verse 6 and 7. 24, verse 6 and 7. This is talking about Joash now. <clears throat> and the king called for Jehoiada the chief and said unto them, why hast, not, why hast thou not required the Levites to bring in out of Judah and out of Jerusalem the collection, according to the commandment of Moses, the servant of the Lord, and of the congregation of Israel for the tabernacle of witness, for the sons of Athaliah, that wicked woman, had broken up the house of God. And also all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord did they, did they bestow upon Balaam. And at the king's commandment, they made a chest and set it without at the gate of the house of the Lord. And they made a proclamation through Judah and Jerusalem to bring in to the Lord the collection that Moses, the servant of God, laid upon Israel in the wilderness. They both saw that there was junk in their life, junk in their kingdom, junk in the temple. They just got rid of it. They said, all right, I'm getting rid of this, I'm getting rid of this, and getting rid of this. True revival starts from the inside out. True revival doesn't start on the outside. Now, we can come to church, we can cut our hair, we can wear a three-piece suit. You want to know why I wear a three-piece suit? It's because I have to iron my own clothes. And if I, if I don't, you can see all this, I have to iron it. I don't, you think I'm joking, I'm dead serious. I take this off, it's all wrinkles. That's why I wear a three-piece suit. It's not because I'm a good person, it's because I'm lazy. Okay? <laughs> but true revival starts from the inside out. God ever put anything on your heart where it's like, you've got to get that out of your life? God ever do that to you? If he hasn't, maybe you should listen to him a little more. Growing up, I, when I first started, um, when, I, when I first getting remem- memories of church, I'd sit in church, and I'd sit by my mom, and I would get really antsy, because the preacher preached more than five minutes, so I'd get antsy. And my mom would, you got to, you know that little nerve you have there in your shoulder? Oh, she'd pinch it, and you're like, your whole body would go numb, you just kind of sit there like this, like, oh, and it hurts. So you know what I did? I moved to the front where she couldn't reach me. <laughs> God does that too to us, doesn't he? He puts a finger on a nerve, and you just kind of go, Oh, God, get that, get away, that hurts. And we move to the front so God can't reach us, right? But he still can reach us. Does God ever like, put a finger on something in your life and say, That is not pleasing to me, get it out. And what do we tell the Lord? 
But that's my pet sin. Do we all have pet sins? We all have pet sins, don't we? It's like, have you seen that brother? His sin is worse than mine. And probably it's true. But God's not dealing with him. God's dealing with me, isn't he? And I tell the Lord, Lord, but get him, okay? He's worse than me. And God says, yeah, I'm, I'm working on him, but I'm working on you too. When God puts his finger on something on you, don't resist him. Like, all right, Lord, I'll get rid of it. God's had to do that to me many, many times. And it, it's not pleasant. It's never pleasant. But you have to get rid of that. You have to get, if you want true revival, you have to get, get, get cleaned up on the inside out. But this is something interesting here, too. When Josiah did this, and when Joash did this, you know what happened? The nation followed him. Dad's, if God's dealing with you with something, and you've you got to get something out of your life, and you've got to get right, and you start getting right. I'm not saying all the time, but most of the time, you know what happens? Your family follows you. You're the leader. Are you not? The family follows you. So if fathers, mothers, if God is dealing something in your life, get it out. I don't care if it's not even sin. Maybe it's just it's something, maybe something that you're putting before the Lord, and the Lord's just kind of pushing you and pushing you and putting his finger on that nerve of yours. And when you finally, when you finally listen, the whole family will get right. Everything is going to get right, and you're going to get, you're going to get rid of the wrong inside your life. So both these men, they both had a heart, to, or both wanted to serve the Lord. They both got rid of the wrong in their kingdoms. We can go to Second Chronicles. Yeah, we're in Second Chronicles, twenty-four, verse two. Neither men wavered from the truth for a while. Neither men wavered from the truth. They both were good men. Second Chronicles twenty-four, two says, and Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. All the days of Jehoiada the priest. Now we go to Second Kings twenty-two two. Second Kings twenty-two two. It's very handy if you keep a bookmark. Second Kings twenty-two two says, and it's talking about Josiah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in all the way of David his father, and turned on his side to the right hand or to the left. Wouldn't that be a great? Wouldn't that be a great testimony? Man, if someone can say that about you, you just served the Lord your entire life. You didn't go to the right. You didn't go to the left. I, mean, I would love that. I didn't, I've, I've been in church my whole life. I haven't always been a great Christian. I'm not even a great Christian now. I'm not worried. We're never, we're never where you should be. And this is a side note. This has nothing to do with the sermon. If you ever get to the point where you're like, oh, I reached it, you're never going to reach it, okay? <laughs> you're never going to reach that. You're never going to apply it. You're never going to reach the top as a Christian. Because there's always ways you can grow. There's always things you can get better and better and better. So never ever think, I'm here, Lord. <laughs> okay, don't ever think that. Because when you do, you know what's going to happen? You're going to stagnate, and you're not going to do anything else. So never, never be, I, I believe this, never be pleased, uh, never be content with your Christian walk. Always try to better it. Always try to better it. That's, 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 how, I, that's how I feel. But I totally forgot what I said. Oh, there it is. Like I said, I do forget things. Yeah, okay. So he said, the Bible says that Josiah didn't go to the left or to the right. He stayed in, stayed in the line his whole life. Go to Amos 5.14. I know this isn't Second Chronicles or Second Kings, but it's in the Old Testament there. Amos five fourteen. Our people in Costa Rica were they were baby baby Christians. We led I led them to the Lord, and I'd tell them to go to a verse. I go I'd tell them to go to Matthew, and they'd start in Genesis and do that new that new Christian flip. You guys ever see that? The new Christians kind of skims all the way through. Then they get to Revelation because somehow they missed Matthew. And they'd be like, where are we going again? And I've already, I moved past that point like five minutes before and they're still looking. It got to the point where I could only read like two verses every time I preached just because they were, <laughs> they were so new. Then my wife had a genius idea. We went and bought a box of Bibles for everyone, same Bible for everyone in church. And I'd tell them, it's this, this page number, go to this page number. And then, so, so they go to that page number and we got it. But they started learning the books of the Bible as I did that. 
and then um, near the, at the end when we left, I could actually tell them a reference, and they can get right there without saying a page number. And I had a, I had a lady that was set up front, and we had new people coming, and I said, All right, Rebecca, for the new people, what page number? So that was actually cool watching how they grew. But uh, Amos 5.14 says, Seek good and not evil, that ye may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, shall be with you as ye have spoken. And when you find the scripture, when you find the truth, do not waver from the truth. Do not waver from the King James Bible. Do not waver from the old paths. The world's going to keep pushing you and pushing you and saying, oh, this is right, oh, this is right, and this is right. And the Bible says it's wrong, and we're looking around. It's very, I feel sorry for these kids growing up. I really do. I mean, the world is so wicked, and it is pushing everything, trying to confuse you. Just stick with the Bible, kids. Seriously, just stick with the Bible. God, they'll teach you. Do not waver from that truth. Do not waver from that truth. So we see that both of these men, both met some good points. Both of these men, they both had a mind to serve the Lord. They both got rid of the wrongs inside their kingdoms. Neither men wavered from the truth. But then we see the end. We see Josiah ended up good with his people loving him. Joash ended up here crazy. And we're going to look at, we're going to see the difference now. We're going to see where they, 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 they changed, they turned. We're going to second, uh, second King, no, excuse me, Second Chronicles, chapter 24. We're going to look at why, at the point that made Josiah, what, what made the difference. Why Josiah was a good man, and why Joash stumbled at the end. Second Chronicles 24, verse 2 says, And Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Now, if the verse ended right there, boom, it'd be a great verse. Right? But there's still more. What's the, what's the rest of the verse say? All the days of Jehoiada the priest. If we go to Second, or Second Kings 22, verse 19. Second Kings 22, verse 19. This is God talking to Josiah now. Second Kings twenty two nineteen says, Because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardest thy spake against his place, and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and hast rent thy clothes and wept before me. I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. The difference was Josiah purposed in his heart that he was going to serve the Lord. Joash needed someone to make him serve the Lord. Kids, you're not, you're not always going to be in your parents' house. Church members, your pastor is not always going to be with you. Is he with you 24-7? I really hope not for his sake. I hope not for your sake, too. That'd be weird, wouldn't it? If he's just kind of following you around. <laughs> That'd be really weird. But he's not always with you, is he? Kids, your parents aren't always with you. At some point, you have to stand up and say, I'm going to serve the Lord for myself. You know, when you're first starting to walk... When they're little, I have five kids, so I understand. When the kids first starting to walk, how do they walk? They hold mama's hand with one finger, right? And then hold dad's hand, dad's hand with the other finger, and they toddle. And what happens when you let go? They fall down on the diaper and they cry, right? Generally. And it's cute and it's funny because the kid's 12 months, 13 months. I don't know how old. If you're a slow developer, like five years. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But they're just walking. And it's cute and funny. But can you imagine, how old are you? 19. Do you still hold your parents' hands when you walk? I really hope not. And if you did and they pulled your hands away and you fell down on your diaper and cried, would that be cute? No, it wouldn't be. It'd be weird. It's the same way in the Christian walk, isn't it? We, we walk with, we have God in one, we have pastor here and we have assistant pastor here. We're walking like, look at us, we're doing good, pastor. And pastor's like, okay, time to walk. And he moves his hand away and you fall down and you start crying. <laughs> what just happened to me? And we cry. That's life, isn't it? But when you're a little kid, it's okay. But when, as an adult, it's not okay. 
When you're a little kid, you can, you can shove food in your face with double, double hands, right? And get food everywhere, and it's cute. When you're adult, it's not so cute. At some point, you just, it's weird, isn't it? But at some point, you need to stand up and say, I'm serving the Lord. Not, I don't serve the Lord for my pastor. I love my pastor, Pastor Mark, Pastor John. I love him. I don't serve the Lord for him. I don't serve the Lord for my parents. I love them, but I don't serve the Lord for my wife. I serve the Lord because he is worthy. I serve the Lord because I sat down and said, Lord, I'm going to serve you because you are worthy of everything. You've given me everything, and I'm going to give everything I have back to you because you are worthy. Josiah sat down and he said, I'm serving the Lord because he is worthy. Joash served the Lord because Jehoiada told him to. Go to 2 Chronicles 24. 2 Chronicles 24, verse 15. This is where Joash, this is where Joash fell off the bandwagon, as they say. Because he's always relying on someone else to lead him in the Christian walk. And we always rely on, if we always, always, always rely on someone else to make us go to church. If you always rely on someone else to, you know, call him, brother, let's go door knocking. Or brother, make sure you come to church. Or brother, make sure you're praying. Or brother, make sure you're, you're reading your Bible. And if you always have to have someone doing that for you, you're never going to grow. I mean, you're going to grow, baby, like this much. But you're not really going to grow. You're not going to really follow the Lord for yourself. Second Chronicles 24, 15 says, But Jehoiada waxed old and was full of days when he died. 130 years old was he when he died. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings. And they loved this man because he had done good in Israel, both toward God and toward his house. This guy wasn't even a king. He was just a priest. And they said, We're going to bury him with the kings we love him so much. Verse 17. Now after the death of Jehoiada came the princes of Judah and made obeisance to the king. Then the king hearkened unto them and they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served groves and idols and wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this their trespass. Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them again unto the Lord. And they testified against them but they would not give ear. And the spirit of God came upon Zechariah the son of Jehoiada the priest which stood above the people and said unto them, Thus saith God, Why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord that ye cannot prosper? Because ye have forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you. And they conspired against him and stoned him with stones at the commandment of the king in the court of the house of the Lord. If you always rely on someone to make you serve the Lord, when that person is gone, you're never gonna, you don't realize how, how low you're going to fall if you don't stand up and make the choice yourself. If you don't grow the backbone and say, I'm doing this for the Lord because He is good. I'm not doing it because Dad says so. I'm not doing it because Pastor says so. I'm doing it because the Bible says so because God is good. We're going to go to Joshua 24:15. We're going to read some famous verses here. Because it is a choice. And it's a choice that each person needs to sit down and say. And I can't say it for my kids. My kids are getting to that age now where they're going to have to make that own choice. And as a parent, it's scary. I have poured... All my knowledge, not much, but much, I don't have a whole lot, but I've poured everything I have into those kids. One's 17, one's 15, one's 12. I still have a little time with a 12, 10, and 8-year-old, but my 17 and 15-year-old, they're getting to that age where they're going to have to make the choice themselves. And it's scary as a parent, because you just hope and pray that you taught them right, and you hope and pray that they follow the Lord. But we have to stand for ourselves and say, I'm serving the Lord for this. Joshua 24, 15 says, <clears throat> And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, Choose ye this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, what are we going to do? We will serve the Lord. Have you ever sat down and said that? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We'll go to Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. 
These are choices. These are, we're going to look at some famous Bible heroes that made that choice. And if they sat down and said, I made a conscious decision to do it, we need to sit down and make a conscious decision to do it. This is Moses speaking here. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. Do you realize you don't serve the Lord for years and years and years on end by accident? You don't. You don't just watch on the road and like, oh, why don't you get there, Lord? I didn't know you were there with me. It's not an accident. You choose to serve the Lord for the rest of your life. You don't, you don't wake up one day and be like, oops, I accidentally give out a track. You ever do that? You just kind of trip and just throw a track at someone? It doesn't happen, does it? You ever just kind of trip and say, you tell someone about the gospel as you fall down? No, it's a purpose. You, you purpose in your heart. I'm going to go do it. Go to Psalm 119, verse 30. Two more verses and we'll be done. Psalm 119, verse 30. This is King David here. David said, I have chosen the way of truth. The judgments have I laid before me. David said, I'm going to choose this. I, I chose the way of truth. I'm going to do what's right. We'll go to one more. 2 Samuel chapter 10, verse 12. 2 Samuel chapter 10, verse 12. This is the story of Joab. I know some people have, some pastors have issues with Joab. I personally care if I like him. I named my oldest son after him. Mostly because I wanted him to beat up anyone that messed with the family. I almost named my second boy Abishai, but my mom couldn't say the name. But can you imagine two boys named Joab and Abishai? No one would mess with us. So, but my mom couldn't say his name, so we went with Judah instead. But this is when they were surrounded. They had the Syrians in front of them, the Amorites behind them. And Joab and Abishai were there. And they were going to get hurt. This was a battle. This was a war. People were going to die. Second Samuel 10, 12 says, Be of good courage, and let us play the men for our people. And for the cities of our God. And the Lord do that which seemeth him good. Man, the world's surrounding us. They hate us. The devil's around us. The world, his, 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 his people, his, his children. They hate us. Don't, they hate us Christians. Look at everything that's going Even though I spent the last five years out of America, I came back and it's like, what in the world happened? I mean, guys are walking off little man bun ponytails on top of their head and short shorts. and like, where'd the manly dudes go? I came to Alaska and the women are manly. Like, wow, man. <laughs> Call my wife is like, these women are more manly than I am. I'm going back down the road at 48. <laughs> I've never hunted a moose. I, I was in Kenai last week and some 65-year-old lady snowshoed like five miles and shot a moose. I'm like, oh my word. I felt very unmanly at that point. <laughs> I've never even seen a moose in person. <laughs> like, man, I'm going to go back to work in the field. <laughs> But Joab, Joab and Abishai were there. They were surrounded by the, by the enemy. And you know what was going to happen? It was war. Some of them were going to die. Some of them were going to get stabbed. They were going to get cut. They were going to get hurt. You know what Joab could have done? He could have said, okay, wave the wife. I'm done. <laughs> this is going to hurt. He said, no, let's, so that we're making a decision right now. We're going to fight. We're going to the Lord, let the Lord do what, he, what seemed with him good. But we're going to fight for our God, for our people. We're in a spiritual battle. The devil has us surrounded with all his wicked people. They want to hurt us. They want to kill us. We can, a lot of us have just waved the white flag and said, you know, I'm done. I'll sit in the sidelines. <laughs> See, I'm a little guy. I can always hide behind the big guys. I'm like, get that big dude over there. He's like, how tall are you? 6'6". Six, six. And he's like, man, I can hide totally behind him. It's like, get him first. Okay? As little guys, we're, we're, we're not as big of a target. 
But the world comes after it. And we can sit there and we say, I know it's going to hurt. I know some of us are going to get, we're going to be casualties in this war, in this spiritual war. But it's worth it. I'm not going to sit down on my Lord. I'm not going to sit in the sidelines for my God. I'm not going to quit on my God. I'm going to finish it. I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to finish this race. I'm going to finish up like Josiah. I don't want to be like Joash where everyone hates me. And I don't care if people hate me. But where God says, oh, you're kind of, we're just going to bury you somewhere else where no one can see you. I want to up like Josiah. I don't, I don't want to stray from that path to the right hand or to the left. These men here, they, they made a choice to serve the Lord. These two kings, the tale of two kings, one ended up good because he chose of his own will. I am going to serve God until the day I die. I just want to encourage us tonight, make that choice. Serve the Lord. Man, we're, there's a dearth of missionaries, there's a dearth of pastors, there's a dearth of Christians that want to serve the Lord. And it's sad. I, 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 don't, want to see, I don't want to see people give up. I want to encourage us, finish your race, finish your course, make the choice to serve the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day you've given us, this evening you've given us.